Welcome back to the Present Fathers podcast. This is part two of my personal story. If you have not seen part one, check out the description. The link is below. You need to go watch part one so that you understand what you're about to hear in part two. In this section of my story, we're going to go through the process to healing, uh, both personally and in my marriage, and a lot of the lessons learned that you can take from this and apply into your own life. Um, if you haven't watched part one, you're not really going to understand the context for what I'm about to talk about in this section. So go watch that one if you haven't already or listen to it. And we, before we get into this, we have a huge announcement. Our online merch store is now live. We have an epic selection of shirts and hoodies and polos and other knickknacks for you to sport your awesome dad gear and uh, be a dad with a lot of style and pizzazz. So if that interests you and you want to support what we're doing, go check out the shop. That link is also in the description. So check it out. Do us a favor. We love you all. Thank you so much to everyone who has helped us get to where we are today. We couldn't do it without you. And to you, the audience, thank you for your continued support. And we hope that this episode uh, gives you some value that you can take into your life and uh, be a better dad. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Enough talk. Let's get climbing. Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. This is the show that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. We believe that dads matter. That's why this show is for you. So gear up, dads. Get ready. It's time to start climbing. And welcome back to part two uh, of the Present Fathers Podcast, where we're interviewing George Hayworth, one of our our, our great legendary leaders. Uh, George... (laughs) bared his soul in part one and he discussed his childhood and his traumas he finished uh the discussion um about the turmoil in his marriage uh, between him and his wife um so let's let's spend 15 minutes um discussing how you healed and you reconciled your marriage because clearly there was some serious work to do right um it, yeah 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 let's, <laughs> so let's, let's dive into that a little bit yeah so you know obviously um there's a lot of work to do when it comes to repairing uh, marriages post, uh, you know, affairs or extramarital extramarital affairs. Um, you know, there's there's you have to build a ton of trust, really, is what it is, because um, there's really no other way to break trust more significantly than that. So, um, you know, there has to be a lot of humility and a lot of um, patience. Uh, counseling obviously helped a lot. Um, but as we started that journey of healing that aspect of our lives, we kind of simultaneously, we had some awareness based off of some of the previous work we'd done, like going to onsite and things like that, about our pasts. Um, and so after this all happened and we were kind of in this phase, you know, my, my counselor said, read this book, uh, Silently Seduced. And so then she started working with me to really like unpack what all that was and why that's manifesting the way it was. Um, so it was kind of like uh, in tandem, right? Like we, we were repairing the marriage and our relationship and trust between each other, but we also had to simultaneously work on ourselves because the ways in which our childhood wounds showed up in marriage just created an extremely contentious situation where both of us are just reacting to the other out of like survival instinct. And so it's just you're, all you're doing is hurting each other because you're, you're right. constantly like on edge, you know? Um, so really for me, after going through silently seduced and just having the awareness of like, wow, okay, this all happened to me and this is and like, I didn't even know it. Right. Uh, it hit me like a freaking wall, you know, it's like I ran head first into a wall. Um, and it really like kind of messed me up for like six months. Uh, it's, it's a very heavy stuff to, uh, to kind of realize about your life. Um, and so what I learned through that process uh, is that what had happened to me is what's called emotional incest, uh, the clinical term for it. And so emotional incest, it sounds icky because it is. Um, it's when a parent, normally it's opposite gender, but when a parent treats a child in a way to essentially have the child meet their own needs, usually regarding some form of intimate details about things that really should never be shared between a parent and a child. And so for me, between my mother and her sharing details about the divorce and things like that, it creates really um, 
unhealthy like worldview of like what love is, what relationships should be, all that kind of stuff. So like my my understanding was just skewed, you know, straight up. And so and again, I don't say any of this to be like, oh, I'm a victim, like, you know, I'm this wounded person. And so that's why like I could have dug into this myself, right? Like I could have been like, hey, you know, my childhood was kind of messed up. I wonder why that is. And I I could have made a change sooner in my life instead of doing all the things I did. And none of this excuses what I did. So I just want to make that eminently clear before we continue. Um, but going through all this and just having the awareness of like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's not cool. That's not good that that happened to me, you know, um, was kind of the, it's where I could start turning from. Because now I like knew what was plaguing me, you know, it's like, oh, okay, this is what it was. Um, and so it was actually kind of at the same time that I was able to restore my relationship with my dad. And that's actually like step one, the book recommends is to restore a relationship with the opposite gender parent. <laughs> um, so that kind of worked out very well. Um, I would, I would assume there was some, some of God's, you know, guidance in, in that uh, to happen for me. But from that point forward, um, there was still a lot of work to do in our marriage, but I now had, it, it's like the veil was taken off. Right. And I could kind of see more clearly the direction I needed to head. Um, I just want to make a few more points about emotional incest because I'm sure most people never heard that before um, and just really kind of define that for everyone, at least from what I understand. Um, and then that way, you know, people can learn from this and hopefully not perpetuate that. But any situation where you're kind of saying things like, oh, because you're more mature than the other kids, I'm going to say this to you or you know, well, your father won't do this with me or any, anything around those lines where you're kind of, it, it'll be our little secret, that kind of stuff, that's emotional incest because the child doesn't understand boundaries, right? They're your parents. And so when you start conflating that interaction with your child, you're setting them up for, to fail uh, in future relationships. And they also won't be able to hold their own boundaries because you kind of took them from them. So that that's usually the, the typical outcomes. So um, to, to state how serious this really is, uh, I've also read another book called Healing the Wounded Heart, also by a psychiatrist, psychologist. I don't want to misquote their title, but a doctor <laughs> who spent their life, you know, in this field. And he actually doesn't even separate the difference between what happens to the brain in terms of like traumatic response between actual rape and emotional incest. So from a clinical point of view, it's a pretty damaging thing to occur. So that had happened to me um, through the whole divorce stuff and kind of um, being being kind of made aware of information I probably never should have known. Um, and so again, like perspective is a healthy thing. For all the things I could have had to deal with, it's it's really not like that terrible, right? Like I still had three square meals a day. And like, there's a lot of goodness in my life still. And, and, and yeah, I got to quote David Waldy, right? Like he talked about all his hardships and how he can look back on them with gratefulness. And that really uh, resonated with me because I, I am grateful for my childhood and for all. And because now I know so much more because I had to work through this. I've learned so much about many different aspects about like emotional intelligence and things that I can help a lot of other people now through my experience. Um, and I certainly will not perpetuate that trend with my own children. So um, as painful as it was, I'm, I am grateful for the experience because I've had to learn a lot through the process. And I think it's not just made me a better man, but I believe I can kind of pay it forward throughout the rest of my life. So, yeah. That makes sense. So George, let's define terms and make sure I understand kind of the difference between codependence and emotional incest. Let's say, for example, you have a teenage uh, child and you just had a fight with your wife. You have to explain to that child that you were angry with each other and that you had a fight. So how do you do that in a healthy way that doesn't share too much information, but that you're also not trying to hide information from your kids? Mm. That's that's a tough line, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely. In that scenario. Um... I mean, you just keep it to the basics, right? Hey, and, and generally, you both should do it together, right? Reconcile and then and then say, uh, both of you apologize together to your child, especially That's if they're teenage. You know, they're that not an idiot. Sense. They knew you were fighting. Yeah. But both of you go to your child and say, 
you know, hey, little Timmy or whatever their name is, um, you know, mommy, daddy are very sorry that we fought in that way in front of you. Um, we know we made you scared. Um, we've made amends to each other. And, uh, you know, we hope that you can also forgive us for, you, you just keep it to basics. Um, answer questions as best you can. And, but if, if they ask something that's like, shouldn't really have an answer to, it's like, you know, that's, that's not really appropriate for us to tell you that. It's okay. Like, this is just demonstrating healthy boundaries to your children. And if they don't learn it from you, they are going to learn it in unhealthy ways later from the world. Mm-hmm. And like, you should demonstrate what boundaries look like in a relationship. Um, and there are lines you just shouldn't cross with your kids. And that would be one of them right there, Dustin, in that example. So to, to, to play like the other end of it where it would be bordering on emotional incest would be like, let's say it's a son, teenage son, and the mother only like pulls the son aside and like, you know, we, we were fighting about and then sharing all the details about what you were fighting about, talking about how, you know, his dad isn't the one, you know, not, not loving her appropriately enough. And she just needs him to understand that she's really hurt right now and she could use a hug and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You see the difference in connotation and just how creepy it starts to get. Yeah. And so the thing too is like most, most, it, this can go both ways. It can be dads to daughters and mothers to sons. It's not just one way. But <sighs> I don't think people do it because they're actually trying to abuse their kids. I think they're in a lot of pain themselves and they didn't know the tools to how to actually properly put that in its place. And so, you know, the, the child it just happens to be there to fill that need. And I think that's how it happens. And so it's kind of like, collateral damage from not dealing with your own stuff earlier in your life that that's just my thoughts on the matter please don't yeah. like quote me as like a clinical definition of how that happens but it's sheer um, suffering i mean that's it, yeah when you're suffering at a, a certain degree and you emotionally don't regulate yourself and you don't take care of those emotions you don't hit them head on you're going to share them with other people because mm-hmm. that's that's the other way of releasing the valve right so it's unfortunate. Yeah. Do you think that ever changes with age? Is it ever appropriate to start having those conversations with your adult children? Or does that boundary kind of stay forever? My my two cents is I would err on the side of just not even towing the line on that boundary. Yeah. So like, you know, when my daughter grows up and she gets married and that kind of stuff, I just think there's certain conversations that aren't, aren't meant for me to have with my daughter, right. you know? Uh, I would say maybe, the closest. Though. I think it's a little bit different. Maybe like, hey, mom, you know, like... Okay, let's be, just be honest. Like, maybe she has questions about sexual relations with her future husband or whatever, right? Probably better for mom to take that one, just straight up, because there is the possibility that it just it crosses lines, you know? Because I'm her dad, and yeah, I don't know. I, I that's that's a question for the people who wrote those books I referenced, <laughs> quite frankly. So, I think you're muted there, Dustin. Oh, yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. I think um, regardless of age, you know, there's just certain lines that it's just not it's not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm generally keeping things more high low. If it's a very problematic topic, keeping it to like the basics is always, I think, the better um, approach. Um, I, I think maybe it's a little a little less severe or like it's probably less of a concern once they're grown and out of the house. But while you're living in the same home and they're still in their formative years, I mean, they haven't really had the chance yet to like form their own boundaries and understanding of how interactions and relationships should really work. So if you kind of co-opt that, you kind of get them stuck where they are in that moment, even as they age. Right. And a lot of people have a tendency when they're, they're trying to explain something, especially when it deals with suffering and trauma, they just shoot from the hip. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're going to explain something that's tough to your children to teach them a lesson, in my experience and all the books I've read on it, you're supposed to use analogies and place it on somebody else instead yep. of yourself directly, because yep. then, you know, it's a shared experience, but with boundaries. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think just a lot of people don't realize that they just verbal vomit whatever they want and yeah unfortunately it it affects people. yeah that's a really good point so like in the in the example we use dustin the fight happens and then trying to make amends like 
create the space. Let some t- let some steam cool uh, in the very moment. Like, hey, we're really sorry, Tim. We'll talk about this in a little bit. Let let's all cool off. You know, something like that. Go calm down. Think about what you want to say, and then address it with like intention, as opposed to like Brandon said, just spewing. Um, I I don't see how you go wrong doing that. And again, perfection. N- none of us is perfect. We all make yeah. mistakes. Just doing your best in that regard, I think, avoids. Uh, you know, getting towards emotional incest. So, but no pressure if you don't get it right. Timmy might turn into Melvin. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that's all I really want to like maybe talk about on that specific subject. But yeah, that is that is kind of my that was like my the thing that was plaguing me that I had no clue was there. And then, and again, not to excuse any of my behaviors, but I started to understand why I started seeking certain things to fill the hole you know that was it was in me um and again too throughout this entire time my relationship with god was not where it should have been and if i would have been pursuing him aggressively and um like i should i don't think any of the things that i've been sharing would have occurred you know so uh there's that too uh don't don't uh, forget the spiritual element of all of this as well. But um, the interesting thing for me was after going through this, like on a personal level, um, and and throughout this time as we're working on a marriage and, and trying to restore things, uh, I went to a place called Mighty Oaks. Um, it's founded by Chad Robichaux. Um, just Google him, look him up. Incredible man. Um, and the program there is it's for veterans and first responders. And everyone who runs the program, they've gone through it themselves, and they're all a veteran or first responder also. Most of them are like former spec ops guys too. So like when you have a Navy SEAL or a Green Beret telling you like, that's a BS excuse, bro. You're not treating your wife correctly. You're like, hmm. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, um, maybe I should humble myself a little bit. So uh, th- they do a lot more than just like tell you you're wrong. But it, it was... Uh, incredible experience that also kind of like helped accelerate the healing process for me because it was a good I like I knew a lot of the things they taught I learned some new things too but it was also seeing the shared experience of all these other guys who had been through similar or a lot worse things to me in many cases a whole lot worse um but just seeing everyone kind of like let their guard down and be real with each other about it um really helped me a lot to to kind of move forward from from the past um and whitney also went to the women's program uh afterwards too so i think you know we've for all our for all the things we've gone through we've also had a lot of amazing people step in through both of our journeys and uh really really be a lifeline for us um and certain organizations on site and uh mighty oaks were pivotal for us to to survive really um and as I learn more about myself and my problems, I also learned to have awareness of like, oh, my wife has similar problems too. Like she had things happen in her childhood and I gained empathy and compassion for those. And so the more and more that like I grew my compassion muscle, <laughs> the better I got at maintaining frame and staying calm in, in moments that used to be very heated. Um, and so, you know, the last several years, there's obviously been difficulty in them. But the intensity to which we had fights or any of that kind of thing just gradually kept lowering, right? The, it, it got less severe. Like if we had a bad fight, it used to be like a month-long thing, right? Like, oh, we're going to have the cold shoulder game and all that kind of stuff. Nowadays, like if we have a bad fight, it's like maybe the same day we're, we're already over it. You know, like we've just gotten better about giving grace and forgiveness um, through, through all of our learning and, and healing. And uh, I'll close with like where we are today, like right now in the moment. Um, you know, we, we've not stopped doing any of this work. We've kept going to counseling. We keep diving into these things that we've gone through. Um, and for me, the real transformational thing is, was the knowledge of all this work, right, over the past, you know, let's say six years. But in the last year specifically, I really took ownership of I'm not following Christ like I should. Um, I'm, you know, I believe him. I'm a Christian, but I'm kind of just talking the talk. And so, you know, I, I went through John Michael's program, the family captain. Um, that was 
extremely helpful for me to renew my mind on what God says I should do and how I should treat my wife. And so coupling the knowledge that I've learned through counseling and therapy with what the Bible says and putting it together and then pursuing him with everything that I am, that's made the difference. And just in the past month, um, we have had significant restoration in our marriage and just all of our interaction. Like I see her now, I think as close to how like God intends a husband to see their wife, like through his eyes, because every day I wake up and I do my morning routine, I read my creed, which is, you know, what, what God says about me, what I, what I, the type of man I want to be, how I'm going to interact with my family. I journal, I read the Bible. I pray for my wife. I pray for my daughter. I pray for me, for God to get me through the day. Well, um, and so I spend, you know, 30 minutes every morning doing these things. And I found that I'm able then to make space for like, maybe my wife is frustrated or she's tired or something, but instead of me reacting, if she has an off moment, uh, and starting a fight, I'm able to just recognize it for what it is and give grace and compassion. And so, um, you heard all this pain in, in part one, right? But I'm here to tell you, like, there's still work to be done, right? There's always growth, but man, I feel like. God has given us a humongous gift where we, so we're, we just had our 10 year anniversary and this has happened like j right after um, all this restoration. And so I, I kind of feel like this next 10 years, like we're going into a new season. We, we've turned a corner um, and I just have absolute confidence now that something, something will happen. Life will happen. Maybe we have something happen to us or we get mad at each other or whatever, but like, I have 100% confidence now that it's not going to be problematic, right? It'll it'll just be a bump in the road and we'll cling to each other and and to God and move past it. And so for really the first time in my life and marriage, I can say that with absolute confidence and not feel like I'm putting on an act. So um I guess the the only thing I'll say is that when you like like Nick Freda said, when you love Christ first and with everything that you are, then you'll be able to love your wife properly. Yeah, and th there's something to be said towards that golden rule uh, that the Bible clearly states, which is, yeah. you know, you're when you're pursuing Christ, you're perfecting the way that you love yourself and others. And the more you allow him to sanctify you, to perfect the way you love others, the stronger your relationships with others is going to be, especially ones that are sisters and brothers in Christ and people who pursue Christ as well. So. It's so vital that, that you do that. And I love that you both have done it because, you know, I always tell people the grass is greener where you water, water it. You know, yeah, your heart is going to, you're going to have a hardship, whether you divorce or you're going to have a hardship, whether you fight for your marriage. Mm -hmm. And man, I'd rather fight for my marriage and know that my wife knows every terrible, bad thing that I've ever done or been through. And she loves me for the imperfect person yeah. that I am. And it's beautiful. instead of, going out and having to struggle in my life and be rejected by people who don't accept that. It's like, it's a no brainer, you know, and, and, and man, you have to protect your marriage. There are like boundaries. Um, there are so many different ways to protect your marriage, but, but it, like you were saying with that book, you know, you were, you were tempted because you wanted desire, you wanted acceptance, you wanted love, you wanted to be, yeah. you know, acknowledged for the things that you've gone through. And, and I think that you and your wife have worked so hard that you've, you finally got to that point where you both have accepted each other mm -hmm. and acknowledged each other. And man, it's, it's such a freeing thing to like, it is to know she knows the bad parts and still loves you the same. Like, yeah. man, that kind of grace and love is, is what you aim for in every marriage in yeah. my opinion. And yeah, I'm we, so glad it was, it was, uh, about a month ago she had gone to like a, a solo session with our counselor and she had made a breakthrough kind of in her story and, and understanding herself. And so when she came home, she was explaining it to me and it was, we just shared this incredible moment where, you know, she's sharing these things and I was able to kind of see through to the heart of them and ask some, some questions and, you know, uh, kind of keeping it, I'll just like role play a little bit like vague, but you know, Oh, so is this why you do X, Y, and Z? Yes, you know, and, and then I was just so overcome with compassion and empathy for her. And we just like embraced and held each other. And uh, in that moment, I felt like 10,000 pounds just fell off of both of us, you know, like all these walls 
that we've been building up between us, they just came crumbling down. And I re- <laughs> it's so hard to put into words because it's like 10 years worth of, like you kind of know it's there, right? Like even even when things were quote good, like you could kind of just tell there's still this distance between us, right? Like we don't really forgive each other. We don't really trust each other. And that all just like shattered, you know? Like they all just went away. Um, and again, I'm we're not perfect. Like we're going to mess up. Like I'm going to mess up as a husband probably tomorrow, you know? <laughs> like It's not like everything's solved, but uh, I feel like we can both breathe again. Yeah. And uh it's beautiful, man. I'm just, I'm just like so excited for what the future holds for us now because, man, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but God is good, and uh, He will bring restoration if you seek Him. Amen. Of that, I am convinced. So we've talked so. about the past, we've talked about the present, and we've mentioned the future. What are what are some specific plans that you have for your future, both with your wife and your kid? Hmm. So I really want to take, I was born in Europe. I was fortunate enough to go back when I was teenage. I forget what year specifically, maybe 17. Uh, I really want to take them to see some of the, just the history, right? We don't, America is a relatively young country. We don't have stuff built from the, you know, the 800s, <laughs> you know, castles and stuff. So I really want to go to Europe and take them there. Uh, that'd be an amazing family trip. Um that's kind of like a bucket list thing. We've, we've looked at several options and that's something I want to like save money towards and just definitely make happen. Um, little less grandiose. I just, in the day to day, um, I want, I want people to look at our marriage and go, that's different. And like, how'd you guys get through all that? You know, I want, I want people to be confused by like hearing the story and then seeing us and thinking like, how could they possibly recover from that? And then being able to just turn back to them and say like, God's love, man. Like there's literally nothing else that can bring this restoration. There's no, there's no earthly reason we should forgive each other. You know, um, that's why it's called grace. <laughs> um, so that's what I want for our marriage. And then with my daughter, um, man, she's already eight. So I really you got 10 years left. Uh, I don't, you know, I have a vision, obviously, for how I want to raise her and stuff, but I just want to, I want to make sure that I can put myself in a position to be there for all the things that really matter. Um, you know, her first big game or whatever, like I, all those things that she's going to experience, whatever she gets into, activities wise and that kind of stuff. Like, I just want to be able to be in a position where she knows that dad will always be in her corner. And uh, it, I mean, I don't really care what it could be playing checkers, but if, if she's like a checker champion or whatever, then I'm going to be there cheering her on, you know? So I th- those, hopefully that answers your question. Well, but uh, for me, that those are the things that you know, like when I'm on my deathbed, I'll be proud if I can do those things. So for men and, and wives who don't have the time and the resources to go to something like a mighty Oaks, what, what kind of other options, you know, would you recommend for men who, who need healing in their marriage? Yeah. So is we'll say Mighty Oaks. I mean, it's you know, it sounds like an incredible program. Yeah, so Mighty Oaks is actually free for the veteran or uh, a service member or first responder. So if you know someone who's struggling, it's completely free for them. Um, they can apply. I highly recommend it. I've I've recommended some people go, um, and even if you're active duty, like you can get permissive TDY to go to Mighty Oaks. They will work with your command to get you there. So it, when I say it's, it's probably the best organization that's doing things for veterans and first responders. I'm, I mean that with all sincerity. Like, I don't think there's a program doing more actual work to actually heal them in their marriages than anything else that I know of. Um, so f- to that point, it's free. So if you're not a veteran, you're not a first responder. Um, yeah, therapy is expensive. Uh, you know, for me, that's, I've had to make that in the budget. Uh, as something that I just can't budge on because we needed it. Um, you can read books. So, for, I mean, for me, it was a what? It, well, actually, it was free on Audible because I had a credit <laughs> to get uh, Silently Seduced. There, there's so much uh, literature out there on these topics that you can at least start the process. And maybe at some point you need to get a professional involved. But 
you know, if I would have been reading a lot of this stuff earlier on, I probably would have made some leaps in my head myself. So I, I don't discount reading. Um, and then there's, there's, you know, in your local area, there's probably a men's group or something uh, or a church group. Um, you know, maybe things like seller. I don't know what, what specifically you're referring to, but there's always like things like, you know, AA or the different versions of that celebrate recovery. Like those things too yeah. can be very healing because you're seeing other hurting people be honest. And when you lead with vulnerability like that, it just helps you kind of let down your own lies and start accepting the truth and, and, and embracing your response, what you're responsible for and, and how to fix it. So those would be some low cost or free options. I think that people could uh, at least start the healing process. I would, and I think as men, one of our specialties is denying that we have a problem. You know, we'll watch football all day. Um, yep. It's the old meme or joke, you know, men will build the Roman empire instead of going to therapy <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. the challenge yep. is saying, I'm willing to confront that I have something that I need to work on and I'm willing to put the time and the effort into, to learn about it. Yeah, man. And until that point too, like, you know, I think so many guys think like, Oh, I gotta be this tough, like warrior, like alpha bro. I've been watching like Sean Ryan recently. He's had so many dudes on there who are like Delta force special ops, like some of the hardest people who have ever walked the earth, you know? And every single one of them is like, God saved me. And, you know, I had to go to therapy. Like, every single one of them is like, all this crap we believed, all this hyper-masculine stuff, it, it's not real. It wasn't real. Like, it was, it was a deluded sense of what a man should be, and, like, we ignored so much. I've just heard that story over and over from, like, those types of guys. So, if they're saying that, then, like, dude, we can too, you know? So, hopefully, my story and sharing all this helps also, you know, people out there realize that, like, it's okay to not be okay. And if you do just a little bit of digging, probably everyone you know has something that's kind of messed up in their story too, you know? Um, and that's not like, it doesn't have to define you, you know? Like, I don't, uh, I don't carry it like something that defines me. Uh, it's something I've learned from. And again, like, I'm grateful for, for the experiences because now I've gained so much knowledge and awareness that I can actually be of service to others. Yeah. Would you hire a coach to teach you how to ski? I would. Would you hire a mental coach, you know, to help you or a physical or a spiritual coach yeah. to help you through something? I, I, I think I would. Yeah. And yeah. as men, we just have this, this roadblock around therapy. I've, I know I do. I've been embarrassed yeah. about the thought of it, you know, of, oh, I, I can't go to therapy. That's for people who have problems, right? I'm, there's something wrong with me. And I don't know where that came from, but I know that I'm not the only one. And it's so important to get past that roadblock to heal and to get better. Yeah, I kind of viewed it like preventative maintenance checks and services that you do on your military vehicles in the army. You know, I like that every Monday you're in the motor pool, popping the hood open, doing all the all, all the steps on every vehicle. You're kind of just doing that for your marriage, right? Things may be great, good, go talk about it. Upcoming things that might be problematic, build a plan together. You know, like we do that all the time. Like, oh, we got to go. We're gonna go to this event, and she's stressed out about it and stuff. So, like, you know, how can we? build a plan to, to go to it together and make sure that we have a good time and all that kind of stuff. Like you can pregame too, you know, you don't have to, <laughs> not everything has to be past problems. You can preempt them, which is like, that's the goal, right? Is to get to the point where you're looking ahead to like, Oh, we can stop problems before they start. That's right. That's where I'm hoping I, I think I'm at now. So I call it storing away for the winter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you, <laughs> go. Yeah, nice. you just, you, you got to prepare yeah. as a team. And the more prepared you are, the better you, you, you do when, when those situations arise. And yeah. I, I did want to circle back just to, to echo something I agreed with so vehemently, which was church is such a fantastic place to find trustworthy people to open up to and to heal yourself if you're not going to be able to afford a professional. Mm -hmm. And then there's also Christian counseling that is completely supported by other Christians. Like we have one here in town. And it is literally a licensed therapist yeah. who is Christian based, who will walk you through your traumas, who will help you heal. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of lot of free stuff out there. Me personally, I'm kind of a do it yourselfer. So for the past decade, I've read just hundreds of yeah. books and worked on myself. You know, sometimes catching people up are not to you slowly. Yeah, yeah, and so catching up. <laughs> but like you, you just 
you, you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and you got to take yeah. yourself head on. And like you said, it, it hurts to root out a part of you and kill it. Oh yeah. But it's so worth it because it makes room for something else to grow and something that's healthy. You want healthy things to grow in your life, not unhealthy. And so you have to weed out the things that are growing unhealthy because they choke out the healthy things. And yep. um, yeah, man, you come to a crossroads eventually where the unhealthy's just overwhelmed you so much that you're, you're at either rock bottom or you're just, you're feeling like you're at your wits end. And so, yeah, don't let it get there. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my yeah. recommendation. That, like that's to your point too, like it doesn't have to be a counselor. It could be a coach or something, you know, some, something else, but yeah. don't wait till your marriage is like on the brink of disaster. Right. Do it when things are much good. harder to come back from that. Do it when they're good, because then yeah. you can like step on the gas, you know, like you yeah. can pedal the metal and you guys can level up like crazy. You know, it's, it's the same with your health. If you're pretty healthy, it's much yeah. easier to stay healthy than it is to be on the verge of death and then to try to come back from the brink, you know, relationships yeah. are the same way. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think people are finally starting to kind of realize that. Um, but yeah, Dustin, I, I agree. Like, uh, you know, Ooh, counseling, what a dirty word, you know? And, uh, I don't want to do that. That's not going to help, you know. You know, I just to echo. It was, it was a. Uh, I think his name is Tom Satterley. He was a Delta Force guy, and he was the one. You know, like he was, he was talking to like a lot of his buddies who were, you know, Delta guys and stuff, and and they didn't want to go to counseling or whatever. Well, you know, they haven't done what I've done, and he told them to shut up. Like, yeah, they went to school for ten years to learn how to to help you. So maybe take a breather for a minute. And listen, and you might learn something. And I was like, "Dang, that's a good, that's a good point." <laughs> like, yeah, you learned how to like shoot things. They learned how to heal people. So listen, you know. Um, and uh, there's bad people everywhere, right? Of course, not not every therapist is going to be the world's greatest. But in general, I think coaches and therapists and, and things like that are an amazing resource. It certainly has been for me. Um, and yeah, it's good to do it not just when you're in disaster, but you can build momentum when things are good. So, yeah. Yeah, All no right, man well, is an island, and it's it's so essential that we have these relationships and these friendships. And yeah. sometimes it takes a big leap, you know, to take a week and go build fellowship with other men or something to change our lives to, to not be so isolated. But, I mean, your average American dad right now is isolated – emotionally alone probably doesn't know how to get access to a church community or therapy or any of that and i hope that that's something we can do is change is just bring about these stories and tell people hey there mm -hmm. there are resources in your community it's worth taking the time you know i know you've got four hours because you watched that entire football game you know skip, right. skip the game this one sunday and, and go work on yourself for a little bit you know yep. and then watch the game next week i mean that's the that's or record the it yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. We have so much more time than we say we do. That that yeah. that trap of busyness is such a lie, right? I mean, it really is. Are, yeah, are that busy, and so that the time is there. You just have to find it. Yeah, you got to make you got to make it a priority. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to kind of get um, in some more lighthearted, personal, fun stuff. Right? Sounds good. So, let's do it. Um, what is one of the favorite things? That you do as a dad like that your kid just lights up when you do it um i do this thing uh at like bedtime my daughter will ask me to do the sugar gun and it's like i just like rapid fire kisses like a machine gun you know and she'll like try and hide from me under the blanket and stuff and so like we, we just do a bunch of like really goofy little things like that um i'm sure she'll grow out of all this very soon unfortunately but you know, I, I try to not take myself too seriously, you know. Um, we need to show up differently in different roles, right? And, like, mm -hmm. when you're at work, yeah, you need to be serious, be all that. But, like, when your kid's a little, just, like, let it go, man. Like, just have fun. So, yeah, I, I try and do a lot of things like that. Um, but recently, another thing I've started doing that I added to my morning routine um, is I'm taking a sticky note for my wife and a sticky note for my daughter. And I just write a, a real simple kind of personal affirmation. Um, and I kind of just change it up every day, just something real quick, real easy. I love that. And uh, so I put one on my wife's mirror and I put one on my daughter's bedroom door. And I'd been doing it for a few days. And so I asked her, I was like, hey, did you, uh, did you see my notes? And, she's, and she immediately lit up like, like it was Christmas morning. 
And she's like, yeah, I did. And she came up and gave me a hug. And then she, look, 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 I'll show you. And she's she's been folding them up and saving them in her drawer, in her dresser. Oh, and so I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to keep doing that. Um, so there's there's a free free piece of advice for everyone, too, that's like the easiest 10-second investment that paid massive dividends. But, yeah, don't take yourself too seriously and then be intentional about, like, little things like that that just speak life into your, your wife and your daughter. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because when she's older, her future husband is going to get a glimpse of the love that's going to be required. Yeah. The standard, which you set, right? Exactly. So. I should make a reel now. It's like writing my daughter notes every day. So your dusty son can't impress her with a card on her birthday, you know, <laughs> something like that. But <clears throat> it, it, it uh, part of it too, is just like, it, it's our role as, as husband and father, right. Is to to shower the women in our lives with truth and your sons too. Like I don't have a son, but if I had a son, I would tell him every day too. I'm proud of you, son. You know, like uh, even when you mess up, like the fact that you're just working hard, I'm super proud of you, you know, and I always will be like stuff like that. You need to say that you need to write it down. You need to do it um, because they're looking to you first and foremost for like their security blanket in the world, you know? And if you start their day every day like that, you're kind of shielding them before the world even has a chance to get to them. So I, it's something I started doing recently and I definitely am going to continue to do it because it's just a very easy way that I can make a personal like truth bomb, you know, for them like that, that just protects them. Are there any uh, special Hayworth uh, holiday traditions for Christmas or uh, Thanksgiving that you uh, <laughs> you're looking forward to? Uh, well, this year we're going to be in Cancun for Thanksgiving, so that's a little weird. I've never done that before, but uh, not complaining. Um, traditions. We really don't like, we don't have any like massive traditions that we do. Uh, we kind of do like a Dirty Santa thing, you know, like the gag gift game. We'll do that pretty much every year. Uh Mostly we just get together as as family and just, just enjoy the time, you know. Uh, so, no, I don't have any, like, massive traditions. I, I just really look forward to, like, my daughter loves decorating the Christmas tree. <laughs> She's already asked us. We put it up because we're going to be gone. So we put up the tree, but it's like we haven't decorated yet. And pretty much every day she's asked, like, can we can we decorate? Can we decorate? So that that's always fun. Um, but no, yeah, that I mean, I just enjoy the little things you know like when she opens a present and she's like ah but yeah maybe that's me, a lame answer but yeah we don't really have traditions i guess it's lame i was gonna say from my childhood <laughs> i guess it was hans gruber falling off of the nakatomi tower right you know, my dad dad <laughs> pushing the diehard every christmas bro like every, it is a christmas movie i don't that care what any of y'all say i was gonna say it is it a is, christmas movie 100%. it is it's not the best one and it's definitely not christian but my, i grew up <laughs> okay, watching I, it i was wrong i gotta i gotta back up there is one <laughs> christmas tradition that i i love because it's it's man it's the muppets christmas carol Oh, I think so that's good. hands down like you have to watch that every year. Top yeah. three Christmas movies of all time. But my brother and I watched that movie so much as kids. Like I know every line, <laughs> you know, like I know every song. And it, but I love like this. That's what's so cool is like it was something that my brother and I watched nonstop. And like we do it every year with my daughter and she loves it. And like that's just so amazing that you can be a generation later and just still like enjoy the same things. And, um, so that is one. We do that every year. We watch that a lot every Christmas season. <laughs> um, so I guess you could say that that's a Hayworth family tradition. One that I'll keep going because that movie rocks. Yes, yes. I think one of the best ones for us is when we get our kids to, we get them excited. They'll put on their pajamas. We'll cook hot cocoa and some popcorn. And then we do the Polar Express. So they see the kids nice. drinking hot cocoa and yeah. they kind of get into it. And, and yeah, and then of course you get your Grinch and everybody else that you can watch too. So you yeah, yep. tons of good stuff. But. Yeah, and you can recreate and interact with it, which is so much more valuable than just sticking your kid in front of a TV <laughs> yeah. and kind of yeah, yeah, you know, they're a part of it. That's really cool. I think that's such an important part of being a dad is is trying to plan things that are fun. Like, oh yeah, make definitely. make if you don't have traditions, dads, make them. Mm -hmm. Be creative. Just brainstorm. Mm -hmm. Take you like ten minutes, and then go buy this stuff at 
Walmart or whatever you use. And, yeah. Or don't know. be creative. Ask Chat GPT. What are the top there you 10 go. coolest traditions? Hey, there, <laughs> there you go. go the, man. Pick your favorite out of those Google. 10. Google. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't even, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it, 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 it like ties to legacy too. Like it, it can happen in the small things too. Just, just start it. Just. Oh, like just Nick Freitas yeah. said, yeah, this is your chance mm -hmm. to start your own legacy. Yeah. You, you is... don't have to like, I mean, if you didn't like how it was growing up, change it. So do your own thing now. Like it's mm -hmm. your household. It's your family. If, if, if they have fun doing it, then do it. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I, uh, we've been looking up a lot of those like silly, like really silly games that you see on like TikTok videos and stuff or Instagram videos. And we definitely want to try a few of those this year. Like, you know, get all the adults together. There's like really hilarious ones. You put like a, a present box, like around your belt line and you have stuff in it and you have to like shake to get them out, you know? So you've got like grown men, like basically twerking a little present to try and get the stuff to fly out. So there's some, some goofy stuff like that. I, we, I think we might try out this year just to have fun, but yeah. Very cool. I like it. So looking back on her childhood, what do you think your daughter is going to be the most proud of her dad for? What I think she'll say or what I hope she says? <laughs> Maybe a blend of the two. It's kind of hard to project your eight-year-old to be like fully grown and what they would say. Um, she'd be most proud about Dang. I hope she would say that she's most proud about how I loved her mother and how hard I worked to to be present with her um, and to set an example for like what she should look for but what she'd probably say uh I don't know. Maybe she'd say, you know, I'm proud that my dad was in the army. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe that he worked hard for us. So I don't know. Hard, that's, that's a tough question. We should maybe throw that one out to future guests. Yeah. I might well, have to I circle love, back on that one. I love that your focus though, was not on your accomplishments or that you have a six pack or that you, you know, made a lot of money, but that it was that you spent time with her and that that's what, what's valuable to you. And even if she doesn't immediately think of that emotionally, that's important to her and that's valuable to her. Yeah. You know, so it's not always what we think, you know, when I think of my grandfather, I think of his accomplishments, but what I should think about is the time he spent with me, the, the fact that he took time away from work, you know, to spend time with me. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, that's what really matters. That's really cool. That's the first thing that popped into your head and you went right there. That's, that's yeah. a great thing. And then the way I try and do that and, and my wife is fully on board with this too, is, you know, we, we, we buy less things and we take more trips. Uh, and I think Barton said something very similar, right, recently. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we do we just do little trips all over. We, you know, we try and be very frugal about them, ones that are driving range or I have hotel points and stuff like that. But those, I think, are going to be those types of memories that she will vividly remember for the rest of her life. And those are where you build family culture. That's where you build the tight-knit bonds, you know. It's not because you bought her something awesome. <laughs> Right. Like that's cool in the moment, but they'll probably forget about it at some point. Um, I don't think she's going to forget any of the trips that we've taken because we, we try to do a lot. Um, and, you know, I, it, it's not just about the fun. I think it. Uh, it teaches them about the world, right? They get to see these different places and realize that the world is this big, amazing place. And there's a lot of really cool things to see. And it creates like a healthy desire for adventure and uh exploration and i think those are vitally important for both boys and girls so um that's why like i kind of went to like i hope she'll say something to the fact i'm really proud about like how hard how much he loved us and and things to that nature because that was that's one of the ways we try to really demonstrate that is through like consistent family trips they don't, they're not all big to cancun you know they're like a lot of little ones like we're just a couple hours away or something and it builds curiosity and excitement yeah. to see the world, which is so important. I mean, I think yep. going forward, whether you get an A or a B on your physics test is probably not as important as if you're curious about the world because the world's changing so much that 
her willingness to explore new things will be what makes her happy and successful and not necessarily that she studied the hardest and got the best grades. Yep. All right. I got a tough one for you. What Keep is, them coming. <laughs> what does the word legacy mean to you? So I think legacy is the imprint of your actions. So it doesn't even have to be about me necessarily. Like, I don't even need people to say like when I'm gone, like, oh, it's because George did this, that this happened. But the actual impact that it makes, I think that's real legacy. Um, yeah, it's great if people remember your name or whatever, but okay, you're dead. Who cares? <laughs> like, you won't be here. But your kids will be here. The people that you interacted with will be here. So I think genuine legacy and, and the type of legacy we should uh, fight to build is that one where you know the ripple effects of your efforts actually made a difference. Um, so like this podcast is one of those. That's one way I want to, you know, I want to leave a mark on the world that that added positivity and help to it, not more negativity and more destruction. And, um, you know, so that I, I, when I think about legacies, I think it also is categorized like your family legacy and the legacy you left with your work or the legacy you left with, you know, other, other things that you did. Um, they can all be really good. And it, it's not like you just have to have the one. So yeah, I think, I think it's, you know, if you could measure the impact of what you did and how it impacted others, um, that's a legacy worth fighting for. Hmm. I love that. So with building legacies and building things in life, what are some of the primary goals for yourself, not just your family, but yourself? For me personally, it's been like seeking out my weak points and exposing them and Proving them. And, uh, you know, this, this last like year, yeah, this last year has been one of just massive growth for me, um, through doing like family captain. I'm in Apogee now, um, working with all these guys who have so, doing the podcast, like listening to all these men who have just accomplished great things or have so much wisdom. And I just have a hunger for being a little bit better every day. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll just keep it simple. That's that's really it. It's just, just exposing those weak points or or the areas that I don't have good awareness in, having others around me to point them out for me, so that I'm not um, lacking as a father, as a husband, as a professional. Um, so that yeah, like I can build a legacy that matters not for, not to please me, but to actually make a difference, so that my efforts are not in vain. The constant improvement is so essential. It's so satisfying too. It's it's the same reason that so many of us play video games and love to level up is because yeah. Yeah, it's it's more satisfying when you do it to yourself, of course. But uh, yeah. that's an essential thing that all that's men need said. to. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you walked right into that one. <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. So George, what makes you a great friend and specifically a great friend to other fathers? I know you have some special things to, to give to your friends. I know I've learned a lot from you. What do you see as your, your special gift that you can give to other men and other fathers? I think it's that intensity I talked about in part one. Um, you know, my, my wife was saying this, uh, she's like, you know, most people don't come by discipline like you do. Like you just kind of have it. That's not normal for pretty much everyone. And I was like, mm, that's a good point. Um, and I think that kind of came from the way I was raised and the intensity. <clears throat> I've learned, excuse me, I've learned, um, you know, how to temper that, of course. But I, I think, I mean, I'd love to hear back your response based on what I'm saying for, from how you know me. But uh, I think that's something I bring to the table that is a little bit unique. and. I think people know, like my close friends, like you guys know, I may not always, my delivery may not be the greatest always, but at the end of the day, like, I just want you to succeed. And like, I just want you to be better. And I'll say the hard things to do that. And, and because I believe that 
if I didn't, I would just be enabling you to to continue to suffer, and I don't want that for you. So I think, I think that's how I'd answer that. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> as as my close friends who work with me frequently, I'd love to hear the the counter to what I said. And you know, I think, I think it's the hair. It's just so spiky. The hair. It's a little. I'm getting cut tomorrow. It's way too long right now. <laughs> I think you nailed it. Uh, I don't like to have those hard conversations. I like to keep it easy and smooth things over. And that's just not always what, what men yeah. need. We need honesty and we need uh, someone who's willing to say the part out loud that needs to be said. And in a group of 10 men where nine are willing to uh, gloss over something that everyone can see, you're the one who's willing to jump in there and say, I know you all see this. This is a problem. Let's fix it. And I yeah. love you for that. That is a, such an important thing that everyone <laughs> needs. And so many men are not willing to uh, to do that because it's uncomfortable and because mm. we've you know been taught that that's uh, toxic, right? And you are my most toxic friend, and I love you for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's funny you say that though, because uh, I'm an enneagram type eight. So if you don't know what the enneagram thing is, it's not the be all end all, but it, it's an interesting personality test. Man, it freaking nailed me when I did the test and got the results I was like oh man this thing like poured in my soul and saw everything you know <laughs> but a type 8 is the protective challenger assertive self-confident intense big-hearted and confrontational so I was like oh man yeah <laughs> nailed me but I think you guys were type sevens right uh three to four and a seven yeah okay yep but yeah I, uh, I the same personality type it's good that I have you guys to balance my type eightness yeah <laughs> I can be a bull in a china shop. Well, yeah, no, a room full of uh, 10 of you would be uh, a bomb. It'd be unbearable. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're I'd supposed to have their diversity. <laughs> ethnicity and diversity are holy. I mean, the Bible speaks of it. It says yeah. that it's, it's good to have that diversity and that ethnicity yeah. difference because we learn from each other. And yep. the one thing I can say just on my part um, is that, you know, I am a perfectionist. I'm a person who will study something in principle um, to the point that I master it in my mind, but I don't master an application. And one of the, your strong suits is you know it, but you don't have to know it intimately and perfectly to act on it. And so one of the things that you've encouraged me through is you've modeled how to just act and learn as you're acting. Yeah. And I think experience has always been my greatest teacher, but I've been so blinded with this per perfectionist attitude that I'm not, I'm trying to learn without the experience. I'm trying to mm -hmm. learn in my mind and yeah. I just need to act sometimes. I just need to do what I'm supposed to do. And yeah. so you push me to do that. And then of course your discipline is next level. So it helps. So. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if it's just the way I was raised or the army beat it into me or a combination of both, but it's funny. It's interesting you say that, uh, about just like taking action because the, the third step of troop leading procedures is to make a necessary movement. So there's still multiple steps beyond that. Um, and, you know, that was definitely something that was taught through the military to me. But sure. part of part of that, too, is to not rely on you. Like, that's another thing I learned very quickly was you don't have to be the best soldier. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You know why? Because you've got that guy who is and that guy who is and that guy. Like, that guy's the most lethal dude in the platoon. So make him lethal. And you just direct things. And so you can, you can do the same thing with fatherhood. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know all the things, but surround yourself with a bunch of other dudes who know more than you and they'll teach you and rub off on you and, and then just do your best every day and like take action. So yeah, well, I appreciate your guys' kind words uh, about me. I know at times I can be a lot to handle and a lot to deal with. Uh, but I love you guys for, for bearing with me. <laughs> it's it's why they make sleep up. tape. Don't worry, man. It's, <laughs> what? It's why they make sleep tape. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I guess if you guys have any final questions, we can, we can let them rip now. I think we're good. I, I'm, I'm good. good. Dustin, how about you, man? You got anything? You yeah, want to no, I just want to uh, really appreciate you coming on the cast, George, and uh, being our guest today. Hey, guys, thank <laughs> you so a... much, man. This is so cool. Like, <laughs> can I do this all the time? <laughs> no, uh, seriously, though, I guess you just like, thanks for, uh, thanks for guiding through this. You know, this is heavy stuff. Um, and I appreciate the fact that you guys have always like been there to, to listen and to, uh, 
to be supportive. And, um, you know, you guys are modeling what we talk about all the time. So I guess if I can just close, the, the, what I want people to take away from me sharing my story is not to feel sorry for me or not to, um, I don't know, like any of that kind of stuff. But just take the lessons learned from, from my story. Take the examples of like what not to do <laughs> and do the inverse. And, um, you know, just, just take action in your life based off of that. You know, so if you hear this and it like clicked with you, um, I hope it helps you to, to learn from my mistakes. And, uh, if anyone listens to this and they, they, they need help and they want to reach out, like, don't be a stranger. You can connect, you can connect with us over our socials and it may take us a minute to get back to you, but we will. And, uh, you know, it, you made the great point, Dustin, like it's, it's hard work. It is very hard to dig deep within yourself and, and shake these things loose and, and, and get rid of them. But it might be the most important thing you do because once you do, you'll show up better as a husband, as a father, just as a man at work, like everything you do will be better because of it. Um, and stopping the pain with you make sure that we don't pass it on to the next generation. So that would be kind of my, my plea to the audience who hears this. Uh, everyone's struggling. Everyone has issues, but we all can be victors. Um, and you don't have to do it alone. So with that, enough talk, dads. Let's get climbing the mountain of fatherhood. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify to catch all of our amazing episodes. We will see you in the next one.